0: Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Well, crab season is open, lobster season soon to follow, and in a month I'll be Planting Tabies in the dark rich soil in York Harbor. Hopefully, I won't have to shovel off snow before I do that. This week, follow from our interview a couple of weeks ago with Fred Carroll, Special Representative to Minister Carolyn Bennett on the Halibu file. Fallout both for the finalization of the founding members list and for the Halibu Chief and Council elections in October though we're waiting for court decisions challenging the enrollment process and an injunction application is before the courts. Carroll told Mi'kmaq Matters the government is proceeding business as usual with the enrollment process without any regard to the court cases. Here's what he had to say.
1: Well, uh, we we you know we don't won't we're, we're going along, presuming of course that the agreement is valid as it was written and the process stands. So we're going along with that. Um, if and when a court uh, makes a decision, we obviously have to take that into consideration in terms of how it affects what we do, in terms of whether or not we appeal the decision and so on. So if, um, for the time being, because we don't have any court decisions that uh, that affect the validity of the agreement, uh, we. Uh, we're going along with the process as it is written in
0: agreement. We don't know yet when there will be decisions from the Federal Court of Canada on the two decisions before it. No doubt, Justice Russell Zinn is working very hard, reading the materials, and trying to come up with decisions on what he said were very complex matters. The lawyers uh, were predicting late spring, early summer, and we'll see if that comes true. But the feds bulldozing ahead puts Friends of Halibut up against the clock. They were the latest to join the litigation showdown. They first filed in federal court and then switched to Newfoundland court, looking for an injunction to stop the enrollment process temporarily while the courts ruled on the legality. I talked to Helen Derrigan of Friends when they filed in court earlier in the year, and I asked her how she would deal with very tight timelines
2: we are running as fast as we can we we recognize this actually in December when we retained uh, Keith Morgan as we said time is of the essence this could although there are timelines mentioned on the INAC website you know it's been a moving target all along so you can't really rely on that I mean they posted on there that it's uh, you know the letters will to continue to come out uh, the winter of 2018. Well, winter ends on March 20th. Yet I've been told by all reliable sources that the that the rest of the letters are out. So it is, it seems to be that keeping the people, um, you know, in the dark like mushrooms seems to be the order of the day. So yes, you know, uh, yesterday, uh, let's get this done. It is so important that people understand that these timelines are very fluid, uh, if I can if I can make this analogy. We're at the bottom of the ninth inning.
0: In their latest update, Friends of Alibou say the defendants, the FNI in Canada, haven't even filed their defenses yet and have been given until the end of May to do so. The hearing is not scheduled for a month after that, taking us to late June, and then, We have to wait and see whether our Friends of Alebu actually get their injunction. Back in federal court, if there's a win on either of the cases there, either in the Jerry Break case or in the Wells and Wells case by Mifnan, they might not have immediate impact, even if there is a win. Observers feel the argument that has the best chance of success is on self-ID, and that argument is that why should some applicants have to just tick a box to show Self-ID while later applicants had to put together a big file to show Self-ID. But even if there was a win on that point, the application is rejected on Self-ID grounds would still have to go through the review process and as we've seen very well, that takes time. So What all this means is that we might have several versions of the founding members list. We had one in 2011, we're about to get a second one, and who knows how many versions after that. To David Rosenfeld, who is the lawyer in the Jerry Bray class action, this mess could have been avoided if the FNI and Canada sat down with the applicants and tried to manage the process. He says the F&I in Canada are just arrogant and can't be bothered.
1: I would say it's not altogether unsurprising. Um, It's concerning, I would say. Um, One would have hoped that a dialogue could have been reached with um, the individuals who are raising um, some major issues with this process. It's pretty clear that lots of people have identified serious concerns with the process and the supplementary agreement that was put in place. there's been numerous uh, media articles, there's been a number of court cases, and to simply state we're moving ahead as if there were no issues whatsoever, I think is certainly concerning, um, but it's not altogether that surprising. I would have hoped that some sort of consultation could have been uh, arranged at this point in time. Um, It's, to us... Uh, no different than what the incentives or the, the approach or the purposes were underlying the supplementary agreement in the first place, which was to limit the number of people um, in, in the band, and that they're continuing on with, with supporting that, uh, that agreement despite the concerns that have been raised.
0: And what would the purpose of the dialogue be to delay finalization of the founding members list until we heard from the court?
1: I mean, it could be all sorts of things, like resolving the underlying issues, but um, ultimately w- what is going on here is, is simply they're, they're accepting that the supplementary agreement is fait accompli when um, certainly court cases are out there suggesting otherwise and waiting for decisions on, in that regard. Um, so it could mean all sorts of things, like uh, stopping the process uh, right now for finalization or amendment of, of the, the founding members list. It could be let's discuss the concerns about the supplementary agreements so that we we can reach some sort of resolution that might uh, satisfy people's concerns. I mean, it could be all sorts of things, um, but if you're not going to sit in a room and talk about it, then, um, then you, you proceed full steam ahead with the supplementary agreement despite uh, objections.
0: So we've had, uh, this will be the second founding members list, so potentially we could have a third or further version, I suppose, depending on, on uh, when this next list is um, comes into effect via uh, order of governor and council, and depending on what the court says, so we might uh, have further versions depending on what happens. Uh, yeah,
1: I would agree that that's a possibility, certainly. And certainly, the court, um, if the court finds that there are problems with the supplementary agreement and, and makes whatever remedies it makes there might have to be adjustments to the founding members list. That That is one of the concerns and one of the issues raised by the class proceeding is that the class proceeding is seeking damages for um, um, failing to abide by the initial 2008 agreement and simply going on with this process and the supplemental agreement despite the court challenges, etc. Uh, you might be able to achieve uh, amendment of the founding members list, but what happens to all the individuals for the interim period where they weren't you know without their benefits without their recognition and you know being from frankly from our perspective insulted over that period of
0: time mm. and the damages might be related to the the um, the emotional aspects of, of not being on the list and being denied status plus the more pecuniary aspects of not having access to the non-insured health benefits program for example
1: yeah, that's exactly right there may be damages simply by virtue of the act of the supplemental agreement and what how it impacted people um, you know effectively emotionally being told that their self identification as, as an Aboriginal person is simply not insufficient for uh, the government of Canada and otherwise being without the necessary benefits that are provided under the uh, ban agreement um, over the period of time that they were at them
0: so what does this all mean for the next Halibu election by ban rules there must be an election call no later than August for a vote in October. October 23rd is the latest date on which there could be an election according to Halibut rules. But who will get to vote? Will the 10,512 people losing their status actually be gone from the voters list by that time? Maybe not, depending on what happens in court. And that would be bad news for Chief Brenda Mitchell were he to run again. Political wags are trying to figure out if the current chief is beatable. Now, even if the ten thousand five hundred and twelve people were gone, those left over, the eighteen thousand people on the new list, all have family members who've lost or been denied status. So he might still feel the heat. But Brendan Mitchell is from Cornerbrook, where most of the votes are. He's tight with the liberal and business elite in Papertown. He has money. And unlike in federal election campaigns, there are no spending limits in Halibut elections. So candidates with deep pockets can reach in as far as they want. Now, Brendan Mitchell, when I talked to him at the end of the year, he seemed very definite about running again. Here's what he had to say at that time. The last thing I want to ask you, and I think uh, people will want to know, are you running again for chief in 2018?
3: Glenn, well, I can tell you in the list is right now I absolutely am unless I'm dead because <laughs> we have a lot of good things going right now. Uh, there's a lot of initiatives that we're working on, a lot of positive things from, you know, Urban Reserve to the, the yep. deals we're trying to work in the expansion of our fishery, the things we have to do from a business development perspective with the Halibut Development Corporation. There's a lot of good things happening. You know, if people are listening say, I hear this all the time, Brendan Mitchell is doing nothing. Brendan Mitchell is doing a lot and the, and the guys on the IC committee to try to help this problem Glen, where you've hit the wall. But at the end of the day, people will decide or people will vote on who they think it is best to, you know, as a council particularly, to, to manage the leadership of how to move First Nation on behalf of people and communities.
0: That was then. But on the occasions I've uh, seen Brendan Mitchell since that time, he seemed a little unsure about whether he's going to run for chief. He's had a brutal term, and uh, I suppose we can understand why he wouldn't want to be chief for another term. So if he doesn't run, or even if he does run, who else is waiting in the wings to be chief of the Halibut First Nation? We have Hayward Young, respected from the Bay St. George area, but not as well known in Cornerbrook as Brendan Mitchell, or without the financial resources as Brendan Mitchell. And then we have Douglas Doucette, or Dewey. There are reports that he's moved back to Cornerbrook to meet the six-month residency requirement, but it was always going to be an uphill battle for Douglas Doucette with that suspension from the Alberta Law Society for falsifying accounts and overcharging clients. But he may have another problem. The word on the street is that he does not yet have status, and he's applying under 6-2 of the Indian Act. Six two is the section that allows children of status members to apply for Indian status. But will he get a six two status in time? That's the question. I contacted Douglas Set for an interview, but I did not receive a reply. Douglas Tisset, please call. And. That's it for the show this week. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio, on the Voice of Bombay, in Norris Point and Rocky Harbor, and in St. John's. Catch us
2: on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.